Haggai and chapter 2. Let's hear God's word. On the 21st day of the seventh month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Speak to Zerubbabel, son of Sheatil, governor of Judah, to Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people. Ask them, who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? But now be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord, and work, for I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. This is what I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, and my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. This is what the Lord Almighty says, in a little while I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations. And the desired of all nations will come. And I'll fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. Do please sit down. Christmas, Christmas, Christmas. Christmas is a time when we desire a lot of things. Uh, We make wish lists on Amazon. We desire nice presents. Sometimes we even get them occasionally. We have that sickly, sweet, Christmassy feeling of of longing, of desiring, of wanting. Well, the book of Haggai is about that desire. In our Advent series so far this Christmas, we've been looking at the Bible passages sung in Handel's famous Messiah. It's so often performed at Christmas, we thought this year we'd look at some of those texts in that Handel's Messiah, and uh, this week we're on the, uh, the text from the, the, the book of Haggai. And in this moment when Handel's Messiah is performed, the soloist steps forward and sings like this, I will shake all Nations, I will shake all nations, and the desire of all nations will come. Now, you see, uh, at the time, the uh, Jewish people had come back from exile. They'd been sent into exile, they'd returned. And immediately on returning, their governor, Zerubbabel, and the religious leader, Yeshua, had begun this rebuilding of the house of God. And they'd started, but they had begun to get discouraged. They looked around at the, uh, the initial stages of this rebuilding, and to them it seemed like nothing. It was, it, was, it was pitiful, it was pathetic, it could never be as great as that temple that they still remembered fondly from the glory days in the past, Solomon's temple with all its gold and silver and its majestic scale and its massive messaging of the majesty of the divine being, and here was their 
temple. It was not as good as the previous one. And God sends along his messenger, Haggai, to tell them that actually this house, this temple, this movement of God of which they are a part is actually going to be far, far greater, much much better in every way conceivable and in all kinds of ways inconceivable, glorious with the very presence of God himself in a way that they'd never experienced before. This temple is actually going to be far, far better. Now, Perhaps you this Christmas, you're feeling that your life is not as good as the one that you had desired. And Christmas brings up memories, the, the Christmas trees, the music, the, the, the red color, the, the, the ambience, the, the snow. It, it, it conjures up memories of, of past days when you desired all sorts of things, a, a family, a, a, a career, a, a, a kind of status of, of life, a, 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 a fame. You remember wanting all these things. And when Christmas comes again, you, you're emotionally back there again. You look at your life now and you realize that it's not what you had desired. Don't give up. Keep going. In a little while I will shake all nations and the desire of all nations will come. Now you say, what does that mean for me and how is that going to work? Well, here you are. First, you have to have your questions about the past answered. Then you have to get motivated. There's a, there's a call to action in the present. Questions about the past, a call to action in the present, a motivation to get working in the present. And then you have to have this dream about the future. Question, call to action, a dream about the future. Haggai begins with bringing up this real set of questions about the past in verse 3. Speak to them, God says, and ask them. Who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? You see, these were the questions that were rumbling around the minds of the worshippers uh, gathered around these beginning stages of the temple at the time. They looked at this temple and they, they didn't want to speak these words, perhaps, but you could tell that the, the thoughts were putting a, a damper on everyone's mood, on everyone's sense of excitement. These were the unvoiced questions that now Haggai actually brings into the open. He asked the real questions. Aren't you asking these questions? It seems like nothing. Seems pathetic, doesn't it? 
We know pretty uh, much with a great deal of uh, accuracy the dates when all these things took place because of the, the dating that is given here in the book of Haggai. It was under the reign of Darius, the Persian emperor at the time, and it was about 520 BC. And actually Haggai's ministry takes place from September, in our calendar way of expressing dating, to December uh, 520 BC. And this one is on, in October the 17th in our way of dating, 520 BC. And it was almost certainly on the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles, a public holiday, July the 4th, Advent, if you like, a a feast, a a, a religious gathering, and they're all there, and they're looking at what they're doing with this temple, what God has asked them to do, and it seems pathetic, and he brings the real questions into the open. They looked at the broken-down state of the temple and the rather pitiful beginning attempts to rebuild it, and they had questions. And of course, the truth is that the older we get, the easier it is to live in the past, for the days that have gone are more than the days that are to come. But this is not just about that. For here, it was true. This temple was nothing like as good as the previous one, which had been destroyed when they went into exile. They did not have the money to make it special anymore. There was no great Solomon with his huge empire. They were uh, just uh, 20 to 30 miles, uh, a bit of territory under the rule and emperor with about 100, 120,000 people. There was no money for the kind of scale of glory that the previous temple had had. So these questions were real. And maybe it is that your past is acting as a break on your present and future. And what Haggai is saying is you need to bring that into the open and be real about it. If you sweep too much stuff under the carpet, you can end up tripping over it. If you have too many skeletons in the closet, they can start to rattle around. It was true, their past had been glorious. And it was true, they had messed up with God. And now they felt it could never, never be as good again. Is that how you feel? Are those the kind of questions that you're asking? You were divorced. How can God use you again? You had a great job. It was going all so well, and then you messed it up, and your career will never be the same again. How can you get back on track? How can you how can it ever possibly be as good? Well, Haggai brings the real questions into the open. And as he does so, of course, he brings it into the context of the worship of God that they are, uh, that they are inhabiting as they celebrate that great Feast of Tabernacles. Of course, this is God we're talking about. And the story of Haggai, Haggai himself stands as an example of the kind of impact that a man who is after God's own heart, a woman who is after God's own heart, a man or woman who puts God first, the kind of impact that they can happen. He, no doubt he, he, he lived longer than just this brief 
120 days in 520 BC, but in God's providence and in God's power, it was those days when there was a massive impact from despondency to activity, from resignation to renewal. It all began as Haggai himself, no doubt, had had these kind of questions, but God has shown him that God was the God of all power and all might. The Lord of hosts speaks. God Almighty speaks. Darius, the emperor. When we ask these questions and then bring them into the context of the house of God, we start to sense perhaps there could be some hope. But he does more than bring the uh, real questions into the open. He also issues a compelling call to action and motivates them to get on with uh, the work, be strong and work, uh, repeated two or three times here or so in verses 4 to 5. This motivation to, to a call to action in the present. And he calls them now to actually get on with it, be strong and work. But it's not just a command, there is a strategy And it's not just a strategy, there is power. And together they they, they join to create motivation. The strategy is concentric circles. First the leadership, then everyone. First Zerubbabel, be strong and work, the governor. Then Yeshua, the priest, come on, get on with it. And then all the people, the people of the land, probably referencing them having come back from exile to the promised land. So now they're the people of the land. You are the people of the promise. You be strong and work. You know, church requires everyone. It requires the leaders to lead, but it requires every single person to do the work of the ministry. The leaders lead and the people get involved and there's this call to action. I wonder whether you need, though, a strategy. It's one thing to tell someone to do something. It's another thing to know how to do it. Do you need a strategy? Perhaps you have a plan for your finances. Perhaps you have a plan for your summer vacation. But do you have a plan for your spiritual life? Haggai, in this book, is saying that if you put God first and God's kingdom, God's community ahead of your own own sort of agenda, then everything else will fall into place for you. In the first uh, word that came to Haggai, he he looked around at the house that was in ruins, God's house, and uh, God, through Haggai, said, well, God's house is in ruins, but you're taking care of your own house. You're saying it's a wrong time to build because the economy is so bad. That's not the right way to think about it. Actually, if you put God first and his house, then the economy and your houses... They'll be added to you as well, as a far more famous teacher said. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these other things will be given to you as well. The strategy is one of concentric circles. You put God first, his kingdom, and then your immediate family and home responsibilities and friends. And then, well, yeah, then your vocation, your calling, your your ministry, your career, the things you're doing for God, but you put God 
at the heart of it. You seek first the kingdom of God, his house, and all these other things will fall into place. That's the strategy. You make a plan for putting God first. You make a plan for quiet times, for devotional times. You you make a plan for how you're going to get your kids up in the morning to get to church, even if they're sort of, you know, don't look quite perfect. Of course, all my children look perfect. And then you make a plan for putting your family ahead of your career. It's so often in the middle ages of life, people end up prioritizing, that is putting first their career and then their children when they get to be adults feel neglected. You make a plan for ensuring that won't be your story. And then you make a plan for your vocation, that is being a banker, being a professor, being an artist, being an author, being a teacher, your calling from God. Your career is now your vocation. You plan how you're going to use the platform that God has given you for Him. That's the strategy. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these other things will be added down to you as well. But there's not just a strategy, there is also power. I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts. The same message then given to Solomon to be strong and work at the building of the first temple is now repeated, be strong and work, to evoke the realization that it is the same God who gave that command who gives it again, be strong and work. And the same covenant or deal or loving, faithful relationship that God made with His people when He rescued them from Egypt, now, even at this broken down temple moment, is actually what God has planned all along. The same God who called Moses, the same God who called Joshua, the same God who called Paul, the same God who called Haggai, the same God is the one who is with you, the same God who, by the way, incarnated the eternal, infinite majesty of the Lord of hosts in a baby. He is with you. My spirit remains among you. Do not fear. That's a strategy. There's also power. One man was in despair because of the pornography in his life. He wanted to do something about it, but he felt trapped. He knew it was ruining his life, ruining his career, ruining his family. But he felt there was nothing he could do. But focusing on the strategy, putting God first, and receiving the power of God through faith in Christ, 
He planned steps in that power and is now a leader in his community and family. Another person was in despair because of his stutter. How could he be a teacher if he couldn't get out the word teacher? He's now an effective communicator in a global city. When you have the strategy, putting first God's kingdom and... And you have the power, the spirit of Christ through faith in Christ. Then the command, be strong and work. Lands. You get on with it. So here we have a reality about the past. Asked in the context of the worship of God that makes you realize that God can do anything. And then you have a a motivated call to action, the present, a strategy, and the power of God by God's Spirit. But then also we have here a dream about the future. Look with me at verses 6 to 9. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations and the desired all nations will come and I'll fill this house with glory. The silver is mine, the gold is mine. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house and in this place I'll grant peace. The desirable nations, that word desire is in the original, in the singular, connected to the plural nations. Some translations have treasures or desires, others have desire or desired. This desire of all nations will Come in a little while, once more, shake the heavens and the earth, I'll shake all nations, and the desire of all nations will come. What does that mean, and what could it mean for me today? God shook the heavens and the earth when he rescued them out of Egypt. It was a world shaking. Event. God shook the heavens and earth when He brought them back from captivity. It was an earth shattering event. And one day, He here promises He will once more shake the heavens and the earth. When? Jesus Christ, the desire of all nations, comes. This physical temple was never anything as good as the previous one. Even Herod's temple, uh, a massive expansion on this one done much later, even Herod's temple was no match for Solomon's in any regard whatsoever. Plus, it was built by King Herod, a, a, a wicked man. But when Jesus, who himself is the temple, who is himself the glory 
of God. Who is the one who fulfills all true desire that that all of us as made in the image of God have this space within us, this shape within us, this longing within us that we constantly try to satiate with money or relationships at a human level or experiences of traveling the world or career or sensuality or alcohol or or, or all these different attempts to fill this void within that we're constantly attempting to complete. And in the end, the desire of all nations will come. He who is the God-shaped incarnate Baby, Lord, crucified and risen Savior, that all of us truly desire. When he comes, there will be a shaking. There was a shaking. And the gospel God will go to all nations as it is going to all nations. And peace will be granted as The famous words have it that we intone so often at Christmas, peace on earth. Peace with God first, reconciled to him, made whole in our relationship with him, gradually being made whole as we follow him in terms of how we think and how we feel and who we are as people of of, of the living God, this peace with God, and then We become agents of and emissaries of that peace of God throughout the whole world. We become agents of peace. Never perfectly attained in this world by any means, in this fallen universe. But one day, when Christ returns, there'll be a shaking. There will be a new heaven and a new earth and peace will fully and finally be established. You say, what does that mean for me? Dream no small dreams. Dream big Dream of a new heaven and new earth. Dream gospel-sized dreams for your life, for the influence that you can have as a carpenter, as a husband, as a mother in the kingdom of God that has universal significance. Dream no small dreams. Why? Why? Why would, you, why would you dream of a new car when you can dream of a new universe? Dream big. Dream gospel-sized dreams. So here's Haggai. 
He gets real about the past. He brings up the questions. Get, get real about the past. Bring it up. Deal with it. Move on. Talk to a pastor. Talk to a Christian leader. Go to someone who can help you with this sense that you can never be used by God again. You can. You can. Get real about the past. Get motivated in the present. You get a plan and you get power through faith in Christ. And dream big, gospel-sized, earth-shaking dreams about the future. And that way, one day, a glorious day, your life will be everything you desired and much, much more. Let's pray together. And would you stand with me as we pray? Perhaps there is something about the past that you want to bring up now in your mind before God. Would you use that? Here we are in the house of God and you've got these fears about the past that it's never going to be as good again in the future. Bring that up to God. It is the Lord Almighty we are addressing. Perhaps there is a need to get motivated in the present, would you make a strategy for your spiritual life? And would you this morning put your faith in Christ to receive His Spirit, His power as you center your life upon God? And would you dream big dreams, gospel-sized dreams for your life? And so, have your desires around the desire of all nations. Lord, would it be so, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.